Welcome to that super fan talk podcast only on the Infinite Potato Alliance. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Hold on to your butt. And here we go. From the historic Infinite Potato Studios, this is That Super Fan Talk Podcast. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Hasta la vista, baby. Join us as we dive deep into all fandoms and genres of cinema and television. I like those odds. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. No gatekeeping. No toxic fandom. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. And monkey's my fly out of my butt. Now, only inches away from a tall glass of Diet Mountain Dew. Just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Here is your host, Sean Ray. By the power of Grayskull. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. All right, it was a miracle. Can we go now? Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to a brand new episode of that Super Fan Talk podcast. My name is Sean Ray, and this is the show that knows that in space, no one can hear the music of John Williams. Joining me tonight in the historic Infinite Potato Studios, we have Rick. How's it going, sir? I'm sorry I can't do that, Dave. (laughs) We have Jen. Pigs in space! (laughs) And Scott is here as well. How's it going, sir? I'm just glad that there was space for me. (laughs) Tonight, instead of focusing on one genre of film or TV, we're going to focus on something else. We're going to focus on one word. Uh, We're going to talk about movies and TV, whatever, that has the word space in the title. Uh, I actually got this idea... What were you going to say? TV in the email. Well, sorry. <laughs> that's all, that's always implied. <laughs> I, I got this idea actually a few years ago. I was hosting a Jeopardy game at a convention. And one of the categories was it has space in the title. And I just, I thought it would be fun to kind of do that, do a show about that. And just because it doesn't necessarily have to be science fiction. It just has to be something that has the word space in the title or some variant thereof. So, uh, so we'll just, we'll just start. Uh, Jim, we'll start with you. What's your, what's the first one on your list? Office space. Oh, it was on my list too. (laughs) (laughs) Not a sci-fi film, but no. Well, in a way it is because if any of us talk to our boss, the way the dude does that, we'd be fired. I just didn't want to come in today. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, 1999, um, and made by Mike Judge, who did uh, Beavis and Butthead. I think Beavis and Butthead was pretty much the only thing that we had seen from him. Yeah, uh, Hank, the King of the Hill came out after Office yeah. Space. So, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not science fiction, but there is an element of fantasy to it because he gets hypnotized. And it tell, they tell him it, when he's being hypnotized, okay, so I want you to empty your mind. I want you to, you just don't care about anything. And then the guy that hypnotized him dies. 
Right. And then so he's stuck, just stuck not caring about anything. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a classic, man. Yeah, but the best scene is where they're smashing the crap out of the copy machine. <laughs> yeah, and it's and the whole thing was based on a uh, uh, animated short that Mike Judge had done called Milton. Yep. Which was the character that um, Stephen Root played in the in the movie. Which he's, I mean, arguably best character in the movie. <laughs> yeah, and a little bit of trivia: the the stapler in that movie was never actually came out in red before the movie, and it was so popular that the company that makes them had to start making red staplers. Yeah, because people started making their own. They were just buying spring line staplers <laughs> right? and painting them red. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Gary Cole's obvious. I mean, there's tons and tons of memes. With Gary Cole as this character from Office Space, where he's holding his coffee, and it's like, you know, if you could go ahead and do this, you know, I, you know that 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 means that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. And I, I always say, I don't have a TPS report. What are you talking? About? Yeah. Mm, mm, yeah. And what was what was it that said? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Office Space is a great one. Fun um, fact about about Gary Cole in uh, in Office Space. If you watch, and I can't remember the name of his character, but as he's standing there in the cubicle with his hand up holding the coffee mug, if you take a close look at the hand that's holding that coffee mug, you'll see that on one of his fingers he has a fairly chunky ring. Does anyone have any idea what that ring is? Mm-mm. Super Bowl ring. No. That is... <laughs> his graduation ring from earth force Academy that he wore as a costume piece when he was on the Babylon five spinoff crusade. Oh, that's right. He was on that show. He kept, he kept the earth force ring that he got on that show and he wore it in office space. Am I the only person that gets Ron Livingston and Kyle (laughs) Chandler mixed up? You know, Kyle Chandler, Kyle Chandler's the guy that plays. Okay. Most recently, he was in Godzilla versus Kong and he was in uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. He was the curly headed guy that was uh, mm-hmm. his, his daughter is uh, what's her name from Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, Millie Bobby Brown. Um, and, yeah, and a lot of people are going to uh, know him as the guy from Friday Night Lights. And yeah, Friday Night Lights. Yeah. While I get them I, mixed up. It's kind of like a, kind of like a Bill Pullman, um, Jeff Daniels. Yeah, Bill Pack, I, I, Bill Pullman, and Jeff Daniels. Kind of, they look alike to me. At least they did twenty years ago. Okay, yeah, that, <laughs> that so I can better. see. I can see that. Um, I don't know that I would necessarily get get these two guys mixed up, but I can absolutely see how some people would. Yeah. Okay. It's it's the hair. Eighty percent of it is the hair. Twenty percent is uh, facial similarities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Rick. What about you? What's your first one? Well, first, I would like to say that. When you when you see when you see, said we were going to be doing this, I thought, oh well, that's going to be easy finding movies with space in the title. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're thinking sci-fi, because there's not a lot of sci-fi movies with the word space in the title. No, there aren't. And yeah. I, you know, Office Space was the top of my list. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I want to take a quick poll. How many people started with the list of movies with space in the title on Ranker.com? I did look at that, yeah. That was the only one that that came up. And I had to start getting more creative with my search 
parameters. Yeah, because the um, farther down you go on that list, the more that you realize, oh, it's shitty B-grade sci-fi movies mm-hmm. that have space in the title, and most of them from, from like, the 50s. And yeah. that's all you're going to get. That's a lot of what the list is. <laughs> and and I, I don't want to talk about a movie I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Shitty, shitty B-grade movies are my bread and butter, man. <laughs> hey, I understand that this podcast network would not exist without them. I'm not denigrating them at all. I mean, I don't, I, it, depending on how far down my list we get, I've got one that I only saw on MST3K. So. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, but I would like to start with the with uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which is a bona fide classic. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, 1969. Um, I, I, OK, I love this movie. It's a it's it's brilliant. But even I can't get through it in one sitting. It is long, <laughs> and there are scenes that are boring as hell to us, you know, post Star Wars people. Um, but if you can wind your mind back to 1969 when this movie came out before the moon landing, you know, nobody had seen really realistic space flight done in a movie before. Up until that point, it was all, you know, cigar shaped space you know, Buck Rogers ships with sparklers shooting out the back end of them kind of thing, you know, it was so, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, and the smoke going straight up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so Kubrick teamed up with Arthur C. Clarke, who is my all time favorite author, uh, and then proceeded to basically screw over everybody that was involved in the project. But he created a man. You know, the more I learn about Stanley Kubrick, the more I despise the man as a person because, you know, he just abused everybody around him because he he would get tunnel visioned on, you know, the movie he was making at the time. Um, I listened to a fantastic book a few months ago called Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke and the Making of a Masterpiece. It is a brilliant book. Um, that goes very much in depth into the, the 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 making of 2001, and it's it's less about the the details about how like the special effects were done, although there's plenty of that in there too, and more about Kubrick's interactions with everybody involved. Now, I will grant you, or I, I will I will freely admit that the book definitely has a pro Clark bias. The author actually spoke to Arthur Clark before Clark passed away. Uh, and so there is a definite putting Clark maybe in a better light than he deserved. I, I honestly don't know, but it certainly paints Kubrick as not quite a villain, but almost uh, who, you know, basically was willing to screw anybody out of a paycheck if he could do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, you know, again, I, I can't say for certain how accurate that is, but what I've heard about Kubrick's antics in other films, it certainly seems in character. Um, But it's a, it's a very good book. 2001 is still today a brilliant movie. Um, You know, fast forward through some of the bits, but you know, if you, if you can learn about its place in history and about the groundbreaking things it was doing at the time, it makes it that much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Didn't they, I think it's come out most recently. There's some speculation that Kubrick had Asperger's syndrome. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm just, I mean, I watched, I watched that movie one time 
And uh, I'm not going to say that it's not a classic. It's just, it just wasn't for me. But, um, but I have found, I went through a phase, I call it a phase, but in the 90s, the late 90s, early 2000s, I kind of went through this thing where I want to watch all these movies that people talk about as classics that I've never seen. Uh, so I did, I watched, I had like, like a whole list and I started watching them and that was one of the ones. And I actually found that they had a copy of it at the library and, um, I brought it home and I watched it and this was my face through most of the movie. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> and it was, uh, for people listening on the podcast, it was a confused look, but, um, <laughs> it started with the overture. I was like, why are they just. It's just a black screen, and they're just playing music. <laughs> but they, but they did that back then with movies. Yeah, for a long time, and uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get into the whole. I'm not going to. I'm not going to bash the movie because I know a lot of people like it. But I've discovered over the last few years that that's not just that movie. I really don't like anything Kubrick ever did. <laughs> I'm a huge Stephen Stephen King fan, and I do not like The Shining. Really? Uh, I don't, I don't like, uh, clockwork orange. There were parts of it that I enjoyed, but, uh, for the most part, it's just, it's nonsense. And then, um, I'm glad I saw clockwork orange. I have no desire to ever watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of those Mm -hmm. films that you watch once and it's like, okay, that's good. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the last movie that he ever made was eyes wide shut. And that was just, that's awful. It was a piece of garbage and it was, it was like, they only made it to just show a bunch of nudity. (laughs) Cause it's not really, uh, something that, uh, you feel like, Oh, I've just experienced cinema or something like that. You know, (laughs) Um, no, you no, you come out of the feeling. Oh, I need a shower. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand a lot. A lot of people uh, enjoy that movie, and it there are scenes in it that come back. Especially if you're a science fiction fan, you can see. Well, they they're kind of pulling this from 2001. I know. I understand where the origin of this came from. It came from that movie or whatever. And I'm glad I watched it that one time. But for the most part. That movie's just not for me. <laughs> it, it's it, like I say, I you know I adore the film, but it's a hard watch, and especially that ending. I you know, fast forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's purposely nonsensical. You're supposed to think about it. <laughs> if you if you read or listen to that book, it really goes a lot in depth into what you know. Clark, who who was writing the book, was like in tears at points with what Kubrick was doing with it. You know, Clark put a, a published the book. He was, he was hired to write the book concurrently with the making of the movie. Yep. And then Kubrick kept putting him off about publishing the book and putting him off and putting him off and not paying him and not paying him and putting him off and, and not letting him put it out. Cause it was supposed to be released before the movie. Kubrick wouldn't let him release it until the movie came out. Because Kubrick wanted, it's a long, much more convoluted story than this, but Kubrick didn't like the way Clark wanted to end it. And so he didn't want Clark putting out the book until he had, he had released the movie. But he, the movie went like two years and, you know, millions of dollars over budget because Kubrick just kept doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He kept Kubricking. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shelly Duvall was never the same after The Shining because oh, gosh, no. her. Yeah. yeah, he abused her. Well, uh, just a you know, one of the iconic scenes of uh, from two thousand one is Dave Bowman 
getting back on board the Discovery after Hal locks him out and he doesn't have his helmet. So he does the, the you know, blows the airlock and, and has to go in through the vacuum. You know, it's, it's, it was the first time it had ever been done. Anything like that had ever been done. Uh, you know, people still talk about it today. You talk about what would happen if you were, you know, exposed to hard vacuum and stuff like that. Um, but the way it was done was the set was like a 30 foot tall tower and the camera was at the bottom of the tower and Kier Dulay had to just jump down the tower and there was a rope attached to his back mm. and Kubrick wouldn't let a stuntman do it because Delay was, you know, Dave Bowman wasn't wearing his helmet. And so Kubrick wanted to be able to see his face. Delay was terrified of heights. <laughs> and so he finally, you know, was able to do it. And, you know, they got the one take and then Kubrick made him do it like five more times. Yeah. He was persistent like that. <laughs> you know, and, and delay was like, dude, this is killing me. He's like, you, you got to do it. And, and mm. was, you know, that was yeah. like the least of what it's he in your contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to start with uh, Space Cowboys from 2000. That was a great on movie. My list. It's a uh, Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, Donald Sutherland, James Garner. And it's a movie. Of, it's a, bu- a bunch of old retired astronauts being called up from called up for one more mission, you know, because uh, there's a satellite that one of them helped designed that it's about to crash into earth and they need to stop it. So mm-hmm. the, it kind of has a dumb premise, but I mean, how, how many ways are you going to come up with a premise to bring a bunch of old guys back into the space program, you know? So they have to have a premise. <laughs> yeah. Especially as iconic as those guys are. Yeah. I mean. th- those, those guys were great. And it, it's great to have those four guys together in, in, in one film. Um, what's funny is that they were supposed to be playing beyond their prime but that movie came out 21 years ago and all of them except for garner are still alive right <laughs> so um the one thing that takes me out of the movie is that there's a couple of scenes that are flashbacks to when they were younger mm-hmm. and then they got the old guys to dub over the younger actors yeah that's voices. right they did oh. and that whenever i see that i'm like that just doesn't look right this guy's talking <laughs> and it's clint eastwood's voice coming out of his mouth um so that kind of breaks the illusion for me but spoiler spoiler for a 20 year old movie one of the characters sur- sacrifices himself because at the end of the movie because he knows that he's only got like eight months to live anyway because he's got pancreatic cancer mm-hmm. uh if you have terminal cancer, I seriously doubt they're going to send you into space in the first place. Well, I think he <laughs> lied about. Yeah. Yeah. But their, their testing is going to be a little more rigorous than do you have cancer? No. Okay. We'll take your word. For it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some blood work involved and mm. things like that. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's it. That's uh space cowboys. If you guys want to say anything about it. I, I just remember enjoying it. It's been so long since I saw it. I don't remember many details, but I know it was a, it was a lot of fun, and I was kind of shocked at the the uh, disapproval of it that seems to exist out there. I thought it was a fun. I didn't know there was any disapproval of it. I, I mean, I've really I, yeah. I've, I, you know, it, it it regularly shows up on on lists of bad science fiction movies. I don't think it's bad at all. Like I said, the premise is stupid, well, but there has to be. You have to have a premise to get these four old guys back into the space program. I mean, nothing that you do is really going to make a whole lot of sense. And that's not the reason that you're watching the movie, Uh, but it it works. 
I mean, so. it was no Armageddon, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Scott, what about you? What's your first one? Uh, I think for me, uh, deciding to, hold on a second. The title was too good not to, not to make this joke. Uh, I decided to take a pass. I'm sure there'll be another episode sometime in the future where we can discuss codependent lesbian space alien seeks same. I almost wrote down that's a movie I want to see. But um, I think first up, I I think, um, oh, and I'm also going to request, Sean, that uh, we be allowed to use uh, TV shows as well, just because of the the drought of (laughs) movies with space in the title. Uh, But that'll be for later, because first off, I have Muppets from Space. Yes. Yes. That is that I I love that Muppet movie. Is it their best? No, it's not their best one. Um, It's certainly not the best as far as uh, celebrity cameos. They were much more on top of their game with uh, the first two or three than with this one. Uh, And it's maybe not the best written Muppet movie. But it has so much charm, and it's so quirky, and it's so uh, 90s, early 2000s. It's very much of its time. Uh, it's it's quotable. It's cute. Uh, it's just a whole lot of fun to watch. Uh, and the celebrity cameos that work, work really well. And definitely for me, more than for a lot of people, I would think, I love and appreciate this movie as the introduction of the character of Pepe, the King prawn. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first we saw of him was in this movie. And one, I love that Muppet. And two, uh, my, uh, de- my now dear departed best friend, uh, of, of many years, he passed a decade ago, and he loved the Muppets. Absolutely loved them. Loved them so much that the Jim Henson uh, uh, company, <clears throat> excuse me, whatever they call, they have an official like uh, school of puppeteering for people who are going to work with Jim Henson with the Muppets. Yeah, they have their own puppeteering school, and that school uh, opened and started a. Um, a grant for their puppeteering school in my friend's name. Oh, wow. That's cool. Oh, very nice. Th- that's how much he liked the Muppets. And that's how much his parents lobbied for, uh, for them to, to do something in his name for his, uh, after his passing for his love and respect to the Muppets. And Pepe was his favorite one, which is why I have a tattoo of Pepe on, on my right calf is because he liked that character so much. So that's the little memorial that I have uh, for that character who debuted in this movie, which is why this movie is awesome. <laughs> if for no other reason than they finally said once and for all what Gonzo is. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's always just been a whatchamacallit or whatever oh, it is. Oh, like, oh, oh whatever. Or a whatever, yeah. Nah, he's an alien. He's from space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so From funky right. space. <laughs> Jim, what's the next one on your list? Okay, since I wanted to not go to the most obvious ones, I'll go for one that I saw as a child on TV, and it was like on the Disney whatever 
the cat from outer space. You guys remember that? That's yeah. on my list too. <laughs> yeah, that was the one where it had Ronnie McDowell and Sandy Duncan. I remember specifically they were Harry Morgan was in it too, which and, I, yeah. And um um McLean Stevenson. Yes. So we had both of the commanders of the yes. in the That's same That's right. Movie. Yeah. And uh it was about a cat Believe it or not, it was just a little orange tabby that had a collar that glowed and it could talk. <laughs> Sharon loves that movie. We've watched it literally. Okay, uh, back back in the Simply Syndicated days, we used to do Secret Santas every year. And uh, one year, uh, Carlos, hola Carlos, uh, sent was my secret Santa and he sent me, you know, we, we would exchange DVDs and one of the ones he sent was the cat from outer space. Oh, and Sharon cool. has watched it. Do- she doesn't remember that she's watched it dozens of times. As far as she remembers, <laughs> she's seen it once, but I was like, you, you used to call it cat space and we would watch it at least once. A week. <laughs> cat space. <laughs> it, it was so cute because the cat itself would just, it had this like, I'm judging you. Stare the every every time he was on screen. <laughs> the collar oh, would mean, glow. And who was the voice of the cat? So you oh, mean the cat dumb. looked like a cat? Is what oh, you're hang on. He was he was he was one of the Disney staples. You you'd know him as he. Oh, it was the guy. that was the voice of Piglet, and he was also Mr. Hengist in the Jack the Ripper episode of Star Trek. What, um, what was the name? What was the name of the cat? I've got the list of characters. I can't here. remember the name of the cat. Um, it, was, it, was, it was like a number. I've only seen it once. I'm sorry. Is it Jake? John uh, Fiedler. Yes. Oh, John Fiedler. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, Ken Berry <laughs> was, was the main guy. Sandy Duncan, very young Sandy Duncan, very young Roddy McDowell. Yeah. That, that's, it's, it's just such a fun movie. That, that whole period in Disney films, that, that's, those are the Disney films I grew up with. Ronnie Shell was the voice of the cat. Oh. Is because they called him oh, Jake. No. Oh, it was like, his nickname was Jake. His name is Jake. Okay. Yeah. But like right. outer space, all of the, the the Kurt Russell Disney films, like the computer wore tennis shoes and the strongest man in the world, and all the Herbie movies. That that was my Disney when I was growing up. Um, oh yeah, we used to watch because um, I remember in school, you know, we would we would watch movies at school, especially like on rainy days and things like that. Um, those kinds of movies became something that uh, that I remember from those days, you know. And, and um, we, you would go to the video store also, and like whatever the newest Disney movie was would always already be checked out. So you go to the older to the older ones, and you would get, you know, Herbie Goes Bananas and stuff like that. And the the Disney Sunday Night movie loved to show some of those old some of those old movies too. Um, so yeah, I've seen plenty of the chat. Shaggy Dog and the Shaggy DA and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and all well, that like stuff. when when uh, Escape from New York came out, it was a big deal because it was Kurt Russell trying to shake his his you know good Squeaky guy clean Disney image, yeah. Image. <laughs> and so you know we're watching Snake Plissken and we're like, that's the dude from the computer with tennis shoes, Land of the Free. <laughs> yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> they remade they remade that one with uh, Kurt Cameron. In the '90s, it was like a TV movie or something. It was it. It wasn't called the Computer War Tennis Shoes. They called it something else. But basically, he got the internet downloaded into his brain and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> if I'm remembering right, Cesar Romero was the bad guy in the Computer War Tennis Shoes, too. So it was cool seeing the Joker without being the Joker. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Still had his mustache, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next one on my list. Well, wait a minute. Wait, Rick, right, right, you're next. next. That was that yeah. was Jen's movie. So Rick, you're next. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so we're gonna, we're going to save the obvious one for for last, I guess. Um, okay. Do I go with movies or? Okay. Now I'm going to talk about one of my favorite TV shows that never got a fair shake, and this is one of the reasons why I'm so antipathetical to the uh, Sequest. <laughs> Scott and I had a, a <laughs> conversation about Sequest the other day. It's called Space Above and Beyond. Oh yes, it was a fantastic TV series. Uh, that it, too beautiful it, it, to live long. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, it it only got one season. It was on Fox. Go figure. Um, it was a show where it was about a, a group of space marines that are they're in a. It, it's kind of the same milieu as Starship Troopers. You've got the Earth is at war with an insectoid race of aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, they, they called they were called the Chigs, which I I've never been comfortable with that. Um, but anyway, be, be that what it, whatever it was. Um, and the whole most of the show took place either on planets where they were fighting or on the USS Saratoga, which was their aircraft carrier, basically. Um, and it was just the 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 pilot wasn't so good because the network didn't let them, the, the creators do what they wanted to do, what they had planned for the show. And mm-hmm. so the pilot was kind of iffy. But then apparently after after the pilot aired and it didn't do so great, they, they, somehow they, they flexed and they, got, they were able to do the show they wanted to do. Uh, I don't recall the exact timeline of this, but then what happened was Fox started screwing with the show. They started showing it out of sequence. They kept preempting it for basketball. You mean so like kind of like this other show that everyone really loves? <laughs> Funny, isn't it? <laughs> um, and then eventually it got canceled at the end of its uh, its its first season. And the reason I tie this into Sequest is because Sequest and Space Above and Beyond premiered in the same year. And Sequest had terrible ratings too, and it was awful in my opinion. But because it had Steven Spielberg's name attached to it, which all it was was he wrote a check. You know, he wasn't involved with the show at all. It was just Steven Spielberg presents or produces or whatever. Uh, it got another a second season, and that was terrible. And then it got a third season, and that was terrible. And then it finally got canceled. Um, this is all my memory from the early. Well, that's not. I mean, it's not entirely because just because Steven Spielberg wrote a check. NBC gives shows more of a chance than uh, yeah. Fox ever does. I mean, because mm-hmm. Quantum Leap's first season was not bonkers with ratings but it got five seasons right and you know ratings got better every year so yeah all over the place too they moved it up and down the schedule and everything but space above and beyond it, it's out there you can get you can you can you know find it and it is well worth a watch but just you know know that like watching the one season of firefly you're going to be sorely disappointed at the end yeah um, and there's no movie to wrap this up they do end know. on a cliffhanger that never gets resolved that ah. <laughs> one of my favorite moments and i don't remember why it was it was almost like five o'clock charlie on mash there was this one chig fighter that was like buzzing the the Saratoga, and for some reason, I think they they there was a hostage situation or something. They couldn't fight it, and then finally, and, and the admiral, oh, and uh, what was his name? 
Oh, Commodore Ross. Is that was that name? Tucker Smallwood. And and it just finally, whatever reason they couldn't go out and, and take on the enemy fighter was gone. And he just looks at the wild cards and he goes, Now go out and get that thing out of my sky. And I'm just <laughs> like, Oh, that was so cool. <laughs> uh, all right. The next one on my list is Leprechaun 4 in space. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> 1997, starring Warwick Davis. Um, you only thought that the first Leprechaun, the first three Leprechaun movies were bad. This is one of those, but it's one of those so bad it's good movies that I really like from time to time. So the plot, <laughs> the, the plot <laughs> is that the Leprechaun is now on another planet and it's like a hundred years in the future and he's courting this princess. Both of them are planning to kill the other one on their wedding night. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to kill her to take the throne or whatever. She wants to kill him to get his treasure, you know? And, um, I mean, I'm not going to go into any more of the plot. It's, it, it's crazy. There's a man spider. There's lots of scares, you know, it's, it's really good if you like campy horror, but there was this, there was this trend in the late nineties, early two thousands to take whatever horror franchise you were doing and do an episode in space. Oh yeah, they did it on Friday the Thirteenth as well. I, remember I love Jason X in space. <laughs> yeah, this one was actually called In Space. Jason X is my favorite Friday the Thirteenth movie. Oh god, that movie is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did it with uh, Hellraiser. Hellraiser had a space. Oh, that's movie. right. Oh my god, and I love yeah. the Hellraiser movies. Oh. Uh, but Jason X didn't have space in the title, so I couldn't bring it up. But <laughs> yet you did. Yeah. Well, Jim brought it up. I, just, I brought it up. Yeah. You know. oh, okay. um, but yeah, I mean, this is. It, I mean, it's a Leprechaun movie. All the Leprechaun movies are bad. So. But they got Warwick Davis a paycheck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Warwick Davis was still there, still playing the Leprechaun. So. And if they ever make another Leprechaun movie, I'm sure he'll be in that one too. <laughs> All right. Scott, what about you? Uh, Jason X is the greatest Friday the 13th. <laughs> the greatest Friday? Yeah. <laughs> Jason X is the best Friday the 13th movie. Now, has anybody on this panel seen Jason X? I know Jen has, yeah, right? I, yeah, I have. I've only seen Scott the has. first one. I only saw the first one, and that was enough trauma for me. <laughs> yeah, but that they and with the, the first, first one, one doesn't even have Jason in it. Spoiler alert! For a second at the end, <laughs> you. But it, yeah, but Jay, the first Friday the Thirteenth movie was just a straight up horror movie. Yeah. It didn't even get into the campy horror from the later films. No, so yeah, the, so it's the, not even comparable. The further into the series you go, the the more ridiculous mm-hmm. the movies get. It's like Jason, uh, the eighth one, when Jason takes Manhattan. Of course, they don't even get to Manhattan until 15 minutes before the end of the movie. <laughs> the whole the whole movie takes place on a boat that's on its way to Manhattan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Scott, um, what about you? What's your next one? Next, just to be to be a smart ass about it, before I move on to uh to, to my TV show selections, I have one more uh, movie selection with space in the title and that I'm sure that people uh, on this panel will recognize the quote unquote film series that this is a part of. 
when I say that back in, let me get the year, uh, back in 1994, and uh, this was still on the shelf at the video store when I was working there. So that's how I learned of its existence. We had Emmanuel in space. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, I have never heard of that. Have you heard of the series? Nope. Emmanuel was the title character in a series of how, how would you describe that, Rick? Softcore porn. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, like like the stuff you'd see on Cinemax at, at midnight. Skinemax, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're we're talking uh, uh, you know, Sylvia Crystal. Uh, we're talking um, Krista Allen. You know. Oh, okay. Let's say it was tame enough that you could find. Uh, reviews with pictures of it in Playboy. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know the the sort of thing that that video stores could carry and put on the shelf in their normal sections and not hide it in a back room behind the curtain. <laughs> but but if I mean, you no, see, I don't know anything about those. Right. <laughs> but no. if, if you see teenagers who are who are clearly skipping uh, school to come to the video store, then. Any self-respecting video store employee is going to say, no, you can't rent this. Wait until they walk out the door and then call their dad and say, just so you know, he tried to rent this. It didn't work. Thought you might want to be aware of it. (laughs) That type of movie. And by the time we get to 94, they had so run out of ideas that (laughs) they're they're putting people in space. (laughs) Do I know the plot of the movie? No, I don't. Does anyone care? No, nope. they don't. <laughs> but just to point out that this existed. We don't need no stinking plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, what's the next one on your list? Okay. Uh, next one I have is actually an anime uh, from the 1960s called Space Battleship Yamato, also known as on, Battle Chasers. Which was uh, on the list that Scott and I looked up like 15 times. <laughs> It's actually really good. Uh, but uh, the general p- premise of it is that they take the old Yamato from World War II and they turn it into a battleship in space. And that explains it. I've been seeing yeah. pictures of that ship my whole life, but I've never seen the show. And I was like, why is there a, a clearly watercraft in space? Yeah, that they made it so that it could, you know, fly in space. And there's a there's a subplot where they run into these aliens that have blue skin and because they breathe methane and and all this stuff. And it's been so long since I've seen it, but they remade it into a film in 2010, which I have not watched, but I have watched the original anime like ages ago, but uh, it's actually really, really good. I want to look it back up, but in, in the States it was called battle chasers for a little while, but the actual title is space battleship Yamato. Uh, so look it up. I'm pretty sure you can find it on DVD or, or streaming somewhere. Uh, I mean, there's tons of anime streaming services. <laughs> it's probably there somewhere. But it only ran for like a couple seasons, too. Um, it was always in Starlog magazine back when, when Starlog yeah. first came out. It was like everywhere in there. Not, not necessarily articles about it, but just, you know, buy a model of the Yamato or here's another drawing of the Yamato. And, and well, that, that's like a Japanese thing is, you know, to buy the models of all the ships from all the anime shows and whatnot. And like, and all the robots, like, you know, 
done doing yeah. some things. Yeah. So yeah, that's my next pick. Is there you go. <laughs> okay. All right, Rick. What about you? Okay, this may be a bit of a controversial uh, pick because I, you know, I was aiming at this with with movies, the, but the TV show also can qualify. Um, okay, it's stupid. It's campy. It's painful to watch now sometimes, but I still have a soft spot. Soft spot. I always try to say spark when I'm trying to say this. <laughs> soft spot in my heart for Lost in Space. I was wondering when somebody was going to mention that. <laughs> and while that movie Lost from 1996. That's part, well, that <laughs> partially and the TV series. They're two yeah. TV series. Yeah. The the uh, well, I didn't care for the current one we i didn't get past episode like five it just bored me um but the movie is not in any way a good movie but and and i and i only saw it one the one time saw it in 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 the the cinema with a with a, a friend of mine and it's bad it's very bad especially the ending the ending is horrible but they gave so many nods to fans of the show and got as many of the original cast as they could doing cameos in it, that it was just a, it was fun to watch, even though it was, I mean, it, it's, it pains me to say how awful Gary Oldman was in this movie because. And I love Gary Oldman to death and he was probably one of the better parts of the film. And he was usually (laughs) rises above the material. Even when he's in a bad movie, usually he's the, you know, the best thing about it. And that, that is just not the case with this film at all. Um, there's just nothing redeemable about it as a movie, but as a love letter to the original series, it was a lot of fun. And I loved, I used to, I remember as a kid getting up an hour earlier than I had to, because one of our local TV stations was showing it, showing Lost in Space at 6 a.m. And so I would get up at like 5.30 and eat my breakfast and get dressed so I could watch Lost in Space before going to school. But then, you know, I tried, you know, a few years ago, I was doing a podcast about old shows and I went back and tried to watch season one before they realized that they were not doing a serious show. <laughs> oh my God, is it awful. <laughs> when they, when, they, when they thought they were doing a, a real science fiction show, it was, it was unwatchable. It was absolutely horrible. Um, and then you get into the really later seasons where they had completely given up on trying to be even remotely serious. And you've got, Cyrano Jones playing a talking carrot, trying to turn Dr. Smith into a carrot as well. And then it just gets so ridiculous that it's, it's again, it becomes unwatchable, but there's a little bit in the middle there, you know, and, and, you know, and we all know the robot, we all know, you know, danger, Will Robinson, you know, it, it's in the, the cultural fabric of, you know, science fiction television. Um, my only real problem with lost in space is, knowing the history of Star Trek and learning that, you know, that was its competition and Star Trek was losing to lost in space. <laughs> it tells you how, yeah. how unsophisticated the networks were at the time. Yeah. Um, All right. I would be remiss if I didn't bring up space jam mm-hmm. from 1996. <laughs> so everybody knows, <laughs> everybody knows what this movie is. And depending on how old you were when you saw it or how old you are depends on whether or not you've even seen it. Um, for some people, it was stupid. And for some people, it's a classic. Uh, for me, I was a year past high school. So I graduated at this point. And uh, so I was not a child. But it hit like 
a place of nostalgia for me just watching it the first time because I grew up in the 90s. I knew, you know, M- Michael Jordan was everywhere when I was a kid. And then, of course, I watched Bugs Bunny cartoons and Looney Tunes and stuff a lot growing up. So um, everybody knew. Everybody, the people that don't like this movie like to say, Michael Jordan is such a bad actor. Nobody thought Michael Jordan was going to be a good actor when he made this movie. <laughs> everybody knew exactly what this movie was going to be when they went to see it. That's not but, what he was hired for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it's just a stupid, fun movie. And I've seen a lot of people talking about, because they dropped the trailer for the new one that's got LeBron James in it, and everybody talks about how bad it looks. I think it looks awesome. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to watching it on HBO Max in my home without going to the theaters. (laughs) Okay. Okay. um, As far as cartoons uh, mixed with real life and everything, of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit did it ten times better. But... I mean, they did a good job here. They did a good job here. And this takes place in the time um, when when Michael Jordan had left basketball to go play baseball. And uh, he played baseball here in Birmingham for the Barons. And all of that is in this movie. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that was filmed in Birmingham here. He's They show him in his Barons jersey. They show a Piggly Wiggly grocery store that's where the that's where the the big spaceship crashes into the into the parking lot is a piggly wiggly grocery store which is birmingham based and all that so there's a little bit of a hometown uh feeling when i see some of those things so yeah space jam's not a bad movie <laughs> I, I actually have no opinion on it because i never saw it i had no desire I, i've seen I bits and pieces of it that uh... <laughs> like i said it's it's you know what it is before you see it. There's no, there's no, I'm going into it and then, and then I'm disappointed when I leave because it's not what I thought it was. You know what it was going to be before you saw it. (laughs) Right. Michael Jordan playing basketball against a bunch of aliens with Looney Tunes, you know? So next up, I'm moving on to television and this is, this is a series that, uh, again, I've always wondered how many people have uh, ever even heard of besides me. It ran on CBS but they aired four episodes out of six, and it was canceled. Was Linda Hunt in this show? Yes, this would be the CBS uh, sci-fi series Space Rangers. It was oh. so bad, it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, uh, what to say about it? I mean, you know, they're they're kind of space cops. Uh, they're based at a particular uh, um, space base. Uh, called uh, uh, Fort Hope is what they called it. Uh, that was the little colony that they were that they were based out of. Basically, uh, interstellar frontier cops. Uh, you have your uh, quintessential uh, '90s uh, scruffy hero. So he's got you know longish hair that you know it threatens to be a mullet if it gets cut too short in certain areas. Um, <laughs> But otherwise, it's just you know, kind of shank, you know, rakishly long hair, uh, and it he can he'll have the five o'clock shadow five minutes after he shaves. It's that type of uh, facial look to the guy. He's you know a little burned burned out. He's tough. He's gruff, but he's got a heart of gold, and he's always got the safety of his team uh, before everything. Uh, you have their their pilot uh, the. The tough as nails uh, lady pilot, 
the engineer was a cyborg who often had a hard time keeping his parts working. There would be times where he would like pull some of the uh, mechanical components out of his cybernetics and whack them and put them back into place to get them working again. Hmm. Um, he like get, get, was he he like got on this like little dolly or something to get down into the or was that the pilot? Um, the, the the pilot would have to like lay down on a uh, on the piloting rig that would then slide forward into the okay. into the cockpit. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, cyborg engineer, the the cigar chomping, uh, uh, blue collar engineer, the hotshot rookie, and the mysterious alien as part of their crew. Uh, and the alien, he was my favorite part of the series, played by. Um, I always forget his name. Um, Carrie Hiroyuki Tagawa. Oh. Who is definitely, oh. For, for, oh. for a lot of people, he's an oh, that guy. Um, oh, for, you, he, well, he's, he's Shang Tsung, man. Yeah, yeah for, genre, for genre fans, he's Shang Tsung. <laughs> for other people, he's, a, he's that guy. Um, always a lot of fun. And he played the mysterious alien. I can't remember the, the, the species he was from. But... Uh, you know, a very imposing forehead, weird alien eyes, and he would speak in almost exclusively uh, wise idioms. Thank you, Sphinx. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you, Sphinx. Um, like Rick said, so bad it's good. This was not a good show. Um, uninspired, unoriginal plots, uh, not great special effects, but... Had Marjorie you, Monaghan, though. Yeah. As their as their uh, tough as nails pilot, you could tell they were trying to do something fun. They were trying to be a a carefree, enjoyable sci fi show that could run for as long as they can make it work, and they didn't make it work for very long. Which sometimes <laughs> it's a, it's a shame, and sometimes it's pretty obvious why it didn't work out. But every now and again, I go back and I rewatch that half dozen uh, episodes of it. And once in a great while, I wish that they had made more. If for no other reason than Clint Howard as their uh, resident science guy back at the base who would you know, run the experiments and, and study things and, and give them their tech answers in, his, in the way only Clint Howard can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was one of the first shows because, you know, there were a lot of back in the in the well, in the 70s, 80s and 90s, there were a lot of science fiction shows that, you know, tried to capture the, the Star Trek fire lightning in a bottle and just never did. Yeah. Like Sequest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I would be really bummed when the show would be canceled after the first season with space Rangers. I was like, yeah, I kind of saw that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's one of those. Yeah, if they wanted to make more episodes, I'd probably watch them, but I can't say I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, I, I just, I just can't believe that they managed to get Buddy Hackett to guest on one episode. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's do one more. Uh, Jen, what's the last one on your list? Okay, well, last one I had actually, Rick is going to mention, so I'm going to skip to my other one. <laughs> uh, Plan Nine from Outer Space. Surprised yeah. that hasn't brought, been brought up yet. Oh, it's an old Ed Wood <laughs> film. 
That is awful. It was up until recently, it was considered the worst movie ever made that has now been surpassed by other films that we don't need to mention. <laughs> but it was also the very last film of the late, great Bella Lugosi. Uh, uh, it was actually, there were a couple scenes. He actually died while they were filming it and they had to use a body double for a couple scenes in the movie. But uh, it's one of those, another one of those so, so bad as good films. Uh, and Ed Wood, I mean, most people know it more from how they portrayed it in the Ed Wood movie that Tim Burton made later on. <laughs> Which is also yeah. a good movie. Yeah. And, but yeah, Plan 9 from Outer Space, it, it is not a good film. It, it's it's one of those, as Mr. Jen, my husband, tends to discuss movies like how many beers it takes to enjoy it. I would say this is definitely a six pack kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's weird because it's it, it's kind of like the room, and you know you you you, you go. And I watch love the room this. so much. You go and watch this, and you know that it's you know it's right. bad, but it's just fun to watch, especially if you watch it with people. Right. Um, and they use. I argue that this was not a movie that Bella Bella Lugosi didn't even know that he was making this movie when he filmed that. That stuff was filmed. It was just Ed Wood just filming stuff with Bella Lugosi. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then he just found a way to work it into the movie. Um, Not on this big octopus and pretended to <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he used, like, really cheap special effects, like using paper plates for the space, the space saucers and stuff. And then you've got, uh, he just used a lot of stock footage. I'll give you an incentive to become a patron of the show because next month we're going to watch this. Oh, I want to be on it so much. And we're, we're going to, um, we're going to do live com well, not live, but we're going to do commentary as yes. we're watching it. So yeah. Um, so yeah, check out the uh, patreon.com slash infinite potato. If you want to get in on that action. All right, Rick, what about you? Okay. We can't talk about movies with space in the title without talking about space balls. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, it, it is, in my opinion, probably the last funny movie Mel Brooks made. Uh, Men in Tights was after that. Uh, have you watched Men in Tights no. again? Recently? Yeah. Uh, and there are some I, I funny movements in it. Come on. There are both. <laughs> I, 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 okay. I got I, a few years back, maybe maybe five years ago, I found Men in Tights in the We Can't Give This Shit Away bin at Walmart. Okay. And I bought it for three bucks, like, yes. And I went home and watched it. And I really wish I hadn't and just left it in my memory as a good. And Spaceballs, you know, is it's no Young Frankenstein or, or Blazing Saddles, but I think it's it still hits more than it misses. Um, and, you know, it's one of the most quoted movies by our kind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, everybody, know, you know, I see your Schwartz is as big as, my, as, big as mine and Dark Helmet and ludicrous speed and they've gone plaid and and uh we ain't tim found Russ. shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, played by tim russ before he was famous was that yeah. guy <laughs> even even my students you know my my you know I, I i teach college in case some of y'all don't know even my students know space balls so this movie is has still got legs you know, 20 20 30 years after it was made um, you know, it's all the jokes that we grew up making to each other about Star Trek and Star Wars put into a movie with Mel Brooks's unique spin on it. Uh, and I, you know, there there are some of it. It's just like, oh, right, you know, you mean like the virginal arm? 
Well, that was funny. Ah. <laughs> um, it's programmed to go off before you do. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. Before before Joan Rivers really became the mean person that that. that that's a whole other story. I, I didn't like where John Rivers went after her. But like, you know, the, the, the person inside Dot Matrix was Lorraine Yarnell from Shields yeah. and Yarnell, which I always love that fact. And you're all going like, Ooh. oh, I remember that. And ask your grandparents, kid. <laughs> Back before mime wasn't cool like anymore. Um, and it, there's, there's just so much in that movie that's so much fun uh, that, you know, it, it, there aren't very many science fiction comedies out there that are as uh, good-hearted as this one. A lot of sci-fi comedies can be very mean-spirited, um, but there, there's a handful that aren't. Spaceballs, Ice Pirates, uh, Dark Star, if you've ever seen Dark Star, but that, yep. that was Dan O'Bannon and Ron Sushit. Uh, back before they made Alien, they, they, this was like a college film they made which is just it's this transmorphing creature that becomes like a beach ball it's 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 a it's a wonderful movie it's clearly a college project but it's it's a lot of fun uh there aren't many but there aren't many good watchable science fiction comedies and space balls i think is kind of the, the the cream of the crop there did you ever see the animated series Mm, I'd heard of it. I didn't watch it. Spaceballs, the animated series. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't good, but it was. It was on uh, like Adult Swim or something back in uh, I, I, 08, I think. I think it was back I think in two thousand eight. Something about it, but I, I never. Yeah, I never watched it. it. They did like thirteen episodes, and it, it had. I mean, like Joan Rivers came back for it. Dom DeLuise was in one episode. It was the last time he did anything before he died. Let's see who else was in it. Mel Brooks was in it, of course. You know, and but it, it it does parodies of, of course, Star Wars. But then there's aspects of the prequel trilogy, you know, because Mel Brooks kind of said for a while, yeah, I'm going to make another movie that's going to be about those prequels. Well, he he made this instead. Mm-hmm. And then it also but he also did like each episode would like be a parody of something else, but use aspects of Star Wars to keep the characters and keep it all together and stuff. So they did Jurassic Park and Terminator, Pirates of the Caribbean, that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, but essentially going to a different planet and like that planet is filled with pirates, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's anywhere where you can find it now, <laughs> but don't don't spend the time. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great. That, that first episode was taking a lot of uh uh, a lot of material from the Phantom Menace for their jokes, and I, when Sean said that they were uh, lampooning other franchises and other series, I was like, "Wait a minute, they didn't do." It. Oh, that's right. I only watched that first episode where they were making fun of Phantom <laughs> Menace, and I never went back for more because hmm. it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this about Spaceballs, the the movie. It was the only time John Candy made me laugh. Really? Yeah, I've, I've, Even I've, in Plain Strange and Automobiles, he didn't make oh, it. I hate that movie so much. Don't get me really? started on that piece of crap. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, not um, even feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bobsled time. Cool running. Cool, cool runnings. <laughs> cool runnings. That was a weird movie. <laughs> I, I just, I just can... didn't, you know, I, I didn't have anything against John Candy. I just didn't particularly enjoy his style of comedy. 
button spaceballs as barf and when at the end when he at the wedding when he gives his full name is Bar- bartholomew i laughed out loud. i literally barked it was so funny oh. are you um, the one that's timing of that was perfect <laughs> no get over there you can buy it you can buy the entire season on amazon for 15 dollars, and it is not worth it so <laughs> Wow. All right. The last one on my list, I guess, will be I've got a couple that I'm kinda of trying to pick from. I think I'm gonna go with uh add add a D to the end of the word space and it's spaced invaders from nineteen ninety. And uh <laughs> I vaguely remember that coming Scott's, out. Scott's, Scott's trying not to be <laughs> ill. <laughs> this is a kid. Some movie. of the stuff Scott watches, and <laughs> well, I have it. All right, all right. Uh, I have not seen the movie since I was about when did it come out? Nineteen ninety. So I haven't seen it since I was twelve. <laughs> this uh, it's a kids' movie since uh, from the early nineties, and I was a kid when it came out. It's about a bunch of Martians, and they're involved in this war with another planet, not Earth, and um, this one ship with five or six Martians on it. They catch a rebroadcast of war of the worlds that's coming from earth on Halloween. And they think it's real. And they think that they need to go to earth and help out the other Martians that are fighting. So they go to earth and, uh, and you know, hijinks ensue. at first, everybody thinks that they're in Halloween costumes because it takes place on Halloween. But then, you know, they start to realize, Oh, these are real Martians and stuff. One of them talks like Jack Nicholson for some reason, (laughs) They've all got these different cartoony personalities, you know. Uh, but yeah, it's like I said, it's a kids' movie, so you're not expecting it to be like highbrow cinema or anything like that. If you're 12 years old, it's great. But uh, <laughs> they this was crap. <laughs> they blew up our new off ramp. <laughs> and it's the, literally the only thing I remember from the movie. <laughs> the Martians are not convincing i mean they they're they're like these little guys and they've got like these big heads and and all of them have like these big cartoony looking eyes they're all like their faces are all robotic and stuff you know so they i don't know it's just you'd have to look up maybe some scenes on youtube or something to see what i'm what i mean all their voices are cartoony voices you know and it's just one of those goofy comedies that disney likes like to put out back in the day so it wasn't necessarily a money maker it's it does have kind of a cult following now but uh, but yeah, check it out if you want to. <laughs> I don't know if it's on Disney Plus or not. You know, Disney's like Disney Plus is kind of dumping some of this old stuff on there, so you might find it on there. All right, last one. Let's see if we can uh, uh, wash some of the Spaced Invaders taste out of our mouths. <laughs> With- well, it was either that. My, the other one that I was going to bring up was going to be 2001: A Space Travesty with Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> Well then, I will. I will say I'm disappointed that you, uh, and I, I should be disappointed in myself for not coming up with what should have been mentioned at some point, which is the 1986. What I would consider a classic, a classic, you know, light sci-fi drama-ish, Space Camp. Oh, oh yeah. yes. I didn't bring it up because I didn't see it, but I, I figured y'all would. I didn't bring it up because I thought one of y'all was going to bring it up. <laughs> it was on my list. Kate Capshaw. Kate, Kate Capshaw yeah. and a very young Joaquin Phoenix when he was still called Leaf. Oh, yeah. Uh, we little uh, Leaf. He was probably Phoenix. like, 
I want to say he was like nine or ten when he did this film. Um, uh, yeah, so I probably like I I would say tops twelve. Mm-hmm. Max. Oh, he played Max. What do you know? Ha. Huh? That was that was an accident. Um, uh, also starring uh, Tom Skerritt, Tate Donovan, Leah Thompson. I'm doing all this off the top of my head. I don't have a cast list in front of me. Um, and also co-starring everyone's favorite, Jinx the Robot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about the movie now, if I could find a replica of Jinx the Robot just for like home decoration, I'd put him in the corner somewhere. Just because it was a that was that was a cool robot design. It, it it's a good movie. I don't know what to say. Uh, they they screened it for us in middle school once, and I had already seen the movie like a dozen times by then. So, it wasn't anything new to me. <laughs> that is interesting. Like a ping pong ball with a head. Yep. Pretty much yeah. the 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 spheroid style robot with um with the, the three almost spider-like legs that would lift them up and roll them around places. And yeah, the, before BB-8, there was this thing. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the one minimally articulated arm that would come out the middle and, like, just be up and forward like this. Oh, God. You're ruining my space camp. <laughs> That's the Space Invaders. Oh, my gosh. Take it away. No. <laughs> Your movie obviously has a Nazi alien in it. Did you see that guy in the long coat? Yeah. Alien. Here I am talking about kids learning how to work together as a team so they can survive a crisis in space from space camp. And you got Heil Martian. Jesus oh, man. Space camp. It's a good time. Can I throw out an honorable All right. Mission? For Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone. Uh, and for mine, it would be Killer Clowns in Outer Space. Which I've yeah, seen a riff track, so that was fun. The only other one that I had was, like I said, was 2001 A Space Travesty. Uh, <laughs> which was in the well, have- in the time that Leslie Nielsen was making like uh, Dracula Dead and Loving It and that kind of Ugh. stuff. Yeah. Al Brooks film? Awful. <laughs> I actually enjoyed I mean, Dracula Dead and Loving It, but I would not recommend it to anyone. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen was at the forefront of those kinds of movies. They tried to keep doing that, even even uh, after he died and stuff. Like with you know the scary movie series and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> those those kinds of movies are okay for about thirty minutes. Uh, when you go like a ninety minute film, I I get tired of it after a while. I mean, naked, the Naked Gun movies were great. It's, uh, the first two. <laughs> yeah, the third one is starting to go off the rails. Yeah, starting? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't uh, see the rails from wherever that movie landed. <laughs> well, do, well, Scott, do you have that movie? Yes. <laughs> I actually remember when Naked Gun, the third one, came out. And it was Naked Gun 33 and a third. And I was in school at the time, and somebody actually told me, I haven't seen the first 32 like, oh uh, my there's Lord. not there's not 32 other movies <laughs> talk about the final insult <laughs> <laughs> alright um, before we go I want to mention our Patreon page it went live a couple weeks ago Kingdom of the Spiders is already on there so go and check that out uh, it's just a couple bucks a month and you can listen to all of our um, 
all of our content that we create for that for that channel. So uh, for a little bit more, you can get more perks. Uh, like being listed as a producer. By the way, this episode is produced by Tom Corcoran, Bullet Bingo, and Brandon Ushio. So find out more at patreon.com slash infinite potato. And like I said before, next Yay. month you'll be able to watch uh, Planet uh, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, and we'll be doing a commentary with that movie, and it'll all be on... Uh, you'll be able to listen to it as a podcast and watch it as a video, and it'll be on Patreon, so... All right, Rick, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And once again, let everybody know where they can find you. You can find me all over this alliance on uh, that Star Trek podcast and this show and Captain Game Show when they'll have me and Starbase 66 and Open the Iris and uh, other stuff to come. All right. Wrong this time. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, thank you for being here as well. Beep boop. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs> and Scott, let everybody know where they can find your stuff. Uh, my stuff can be found uh, right here on this network, on this very show, on that Star Trek podcast, occasionally on uh, Captain Game Show, and uh, coming up fairly soon, my final episode of the Prime Direction where I have a celebrity interview coming for all you listeners out there. It has been edited. All we need is the, well, you're again with the space. <laughs> <clears throat> the interview has been edited. All I have to do is uh, sit down with my other special guest and record the framing segments at the beginning and end uh, to do a passing of the torch for that show to the next oncoming host. After that's wrapped up, I'm going to begin uh, pre-production preparations for what could very well be my next ongoing podcast uh, as a little tip for everyone. And I'm acting as though everyone listening to this did not just listen to that Star Trek podcast that we recorded <laughs> just an hour ago. Um, but for all the rest of you, as a, a sneak preview of what the, the new podcast is going to be, the working title is I'd Watch That for a Dollar. Uh, stay tuned to Infinite Potato Alliance for more information on that if people are tired of listening to me but they still want to see what some might consider cool stuff uh, you can check out some of my uh, freelance and commission graphic artwork uh, you can find me on Twitter at Planet Rise or visit my very own website www.planetrisecreative.com thank you all for listening and be sure to join us again next time on that Super Fan Talk podcast when you might hear Rick say Everyone, remember where we parked. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Fredo's going to leave without giving you a goodbye kiss. Help the show grow by leaving us a five-star rating and a review. That's the worst goodbye I've ever heard. And you stole it from a movie. Be sure to join us again soon on That Super Fan Talk Podcast. Brought to you by InfinitePotato.com. Goodbye. This concludes our broadcast day.